Welcome to Feathers in My Hair, an Emotionally Broken Psycho's Patreon exclusive. Join me for the ultimate Team Mom deep dive. This is more than just a recap show. I'll scour the internet to bring you all the best drama that MTV didn't air. From police reports to deleted tweets, I've got the details on all the fights, breakups, and arrests of our favorite MTV train wrecks. If you think the moms bring the drama on TV, just wait until you hear what really happened. I'm your host, Liz Bentley. Do you have a son or a daughter? I have a son. Me too. Um, how did you know I had a baby? <laughs> and, and you have a son? We're all teen moms. And musicians. Everyone in this program. The program? It's for teen moms. So I didn't get here on my own? Of course you did. You're the world's greatest French horn player. And I'm Yo-Yo Ma. <sighs> Hi guys. Liz here. I think you can all guess why I have a deep sigh based on what I'm titling this episode, the clip that I just played. For you, for those of you, if I could speak, who don't know, that clip I just played is from the world hit television show, international hit, The Secret Life of an American Teenager. And it featured an iconic guest appearance from one Bristol Palin. So what you just heard in that scene is, how do you say her name? Shane, I don't know. The girl that's in Big Little Lies now. Chanel, (laughs) Shane Woodley. I don't know. I don't know actually how to say her name. But her and Bristol. Now. Bristol's joining the cast of Teen Mom OG. Uh, oh my god. My fucking landline's ringing. Back to the show. I'm recording at my dad's house and his landline rings, which I think I talked about last week. Ugh, I've been here for like two hours and of course it hasn't rung once and it starts ringing one minute into me turning on my microphone because that's my life. Anyway, Bristol fucking Palin. Okay, I mean, the obvious. Let's talk about the obvious of why this is shitty. (sighs) Sarah Palin is a nightmare, a devil person. The movie, do you guys ever watch the movie Game Changer? Who was in that? It was an HBO original doc uh, with Julianne Moore. And (laughs) I think about that movie regularly. It was so good. And Sarah Palin, like, having a mental breakdown on the presidential trail because they tap someone who is completely unqualified and unready for it is, I don't know, great. But, yeah, Sarah Palin, a national nightmare, if you will. Bristol Palin is, falls in her mom's footsteps. She hates gay people. There's, like, a video of her son Trip when he was three years old saying the F slur. Like, a full-on David Eason situation, which by the way, David Eason made a post that was like, how, why is MTV firing me and then bringing on Bristol? And you know what? You got to give credit where credit's due because he's absolutely fucking right. So, I mean, it's obvious, like it's an obvious reason for why I personally and many others don't want Bristol Palin on the show. She's a nightmare. Her family's a nightmare. They are not good people. Now, I think a lot of us can look past that when it comes to teen moms. I know that's terrible, but as I've said, I cannot get deep into the ethics of my reality TV viewing or I'll never be able to watch anything ever again unless it's scripted television. And even then I could like get into the ethics of child actors and, you know, I just can't, I'm not an ethical consumer when it comes to my media consumption and that's something that I personally have to live with. So, okay, bring on a controversial GOP figure. Okay, okay. You're going to do that, sure. But to have it to be Bristol fucking Palin, who has no charisma whatsoever, is what kills me. It's not necessarily, like, that it's Bristol Palin and everything she stands for. It's that that girl is, like, watching paint dry. She is not good at emoting. She is boring. She is not bright. And I don't think it's going to be enjoyable to watch her on TV. Now, some of you are probably saying, but she's had all that fucking crazy drama. 
you're right. I remember that pregnancy announcement she did that that long ago. That was sad as fuck. And it was like, I regret to inform you that I'm pregnant again out of wedlock. (laughs) Uh, I loved the drama of her calling off her wedding. Like the weekend before was supposed to happen. Her dad, Todd, is like always getting into fistfights. Uh, is Levi Johnson going to be on this show? I mean, that that's the truth. Where does Bristol even live now? Does she live in... She doesn't live in Alaska, I don't think. I think she might live in Arizona. I don't even know where she lives. If she lived in Alaska, that would probably be a little cool because I was a huge fan of the MTV show Slednecks, <laughs> which had one season. They ran the episodes like three at a time to burn that show off as fast as possible and it was incredible. It was Alaska's version of Buck Wild. I'm sure a lot of you guys watched Buck Wild. I'm sure about three people who are listening to this watched Slednecks. But I loved Slednecks. I loved watching people do things in Alaska. I'm a big Alaska State Troopers fan. You know, I, I love an Alaska background. So that could be interesting. But I don't think Bristol is going to let any interesting, like, drama onto the show. And that's always going to be the issue with Teen Mom, that... The moms have a lot of control over what's shown. And a big part of that is because they're isolated cast members. You know, they're not... I mean, on Team Mom 2 now, they're interacting with each other a little more. But they're very isolated. So there aren't, like, rival cast members to bring up their drama. Like, in A Real Housewives, you know, a wife can want to keep off the fact that her husband cheated on her, but, like, the girl that doesn't, the housewife that doesn't like her is going to be like, and your husband fucking cheated on you, and then they're going to talk about it. It's a lot harder on the housewives for them to keep stuff off the show. Now, of course, they do. It's just harder because people, like, the other people on the show with them are going to talk about it. And so on Teen Mom, it's a lot easier for the teen moms, in my opinion, to keep things off the show, and I think that Bristol is going to be extremely boring. And that's why I'm most mad about it. I mean, if Bristol is going to come on and be her full white trash self that I know and many of you know the Palin family is, I think I'd actually be here for it. Is that, like, bad to say? Probably. Am I a bad person for thinking that? Most definitely. But... It's my truth, and I have to speak my truth, as I think I've said on here about, I don't know, how many episodes have I done? I think I'm almost at 100 episodes. When did I start this show? No, I can't be at 100 episodes. At, like, 70 episodes, wherever I am. I think I've said I have to speak my truth about probably 55 times, and I do. I think if Bristol was going to come on and they were going to show... Todd fist fighting with someone and like that boyfriend fiance guy that she had fucking cheating on her and like a big family brawl which the Palins get in like I'm always down for a family brawl I hope if there's one thing that people know about me is that I'm always down to watch a family at a family event fist fight on my television that's all that I want anyone to ever know about me when I die, I want somebody to get up in my funeral and be like, Liz just loved to watch a fist fight between family members on TV. That's all I want. <laughs> but I just don't, I just don't think, I don't think that that is going to be my reality. And by my reality, like Bristol's reality on this show, I think it's all going to be about like, I don't know. I also don't really care to see Sarah. I don't think Sarah's entertaining. I would like a lot of Todd. I would like a lot of Todd Palin. And they're divorced now, right? I only like half keep up with the Palins. Uh, I know my dear friend Saad is like a Palin fanatic. (laughs) In that she likes to follow what Bristol Palin has done, she told me. But I only half keep up with them. I just... Oh my god, I just looked up and there's fucking spider webs in my dad's little chandelier. That's disgusting. What the fuck? My stepmom's like super clean. How did she miss that? I'll have to clean that. Sorry, off topic. Oh, my ADD is really bad today, by the way. I just want to warn you guys. Like, being a person that has ADD that can no longer take stimulants uh, is a struggle sometimes. I've thought about maybe going on a non-stimulation medicine like a Shaterra Concerta. But I'm just not 
sure if that is something that I want to do. And, you know, like, I don't know. I probably won't do that unless my life gets really bad and it's not really bad. But sometimes it's just really hard to have ADD and not be able to take Adderall. (laughs) Oh, my God. I'm a fucking mess of a person. Oh, I should go to an AA meeting tonight, probably. (laughs) Anyway... Um, so there's other, like, huge casting news. So you guys also know, I've talked about this, right, that a girl named Cheyenne and a guy named Corey, and I know those of you who are challenge heads are screaming that I'm just, like, a girl and a guy, but they're a couple from the challenge, MTV's The Challenge. Corey, I think, was on Real World and X on the Beach. I think this is his fourth MTV show, which is absolutely next level. Corey and Cheyenne are joining the cast. Now, there's a lot of controversy with them. Because apparently in 2012, Cheyenne tweeted something about the movie The Help and how much she hates white people and then retweeted, it's so ridiculous, retweeted something about how she'd be okay with killing white babies, which like, honestly, I don't give one fuck about. Like, that is, in terms of offensive tweets, like, I, I'm sorry, I just don't give a fuck. I know a lot of people do, and I understand why a lot of people do, and it's, like, clearly an inappropriate tweet, but I just don't care, and I don't think that should keep her off the show. It was also in 2012. She's She was, like, 19 in 2012. She wasn't on MTV yet. Blah, blah, blah. I'm a hypocrite. Fine. Um, so people are really pissed about that and don't want her to be on the show because she's, I'm using air quotes, racist, which is stupid and I'm not going to get into the reasons why but I'm sure a lot of you understand and I'm sure some of you at home like agree that that's racist and inappropriate but on that we'll split we'll split direct we'll split ways but anyway I just so Corey and Cheyenne and Bristol are joining the cast so they're gonna have five girls on Team Mom OG just like they did on Team Mom 2. Corey tweeted something funny like (laughs) like everybody's tired of Team Mom OG they're bringing us in for ratings which like True. That's true. Uh, Princess Jones Curtis told me that she blames Caitlyn and Tyler for <laughs> for Bristol Palin being hired because they're so boring that they had to bring in Bristol. And I agree. Oh, I forgot to tell you, I um, 100% believe that Bristol is the mom to Sarah Palin's youngest son. I know you're going to say, but he has Down syndrome and older mothers give birth to children with Down syndrome. I know, but this is a conspiracy theory, like, that I deeply believe and will believe until the day I die. There's no way she flew from D.C. to Alaska or wherever she was uh, while, like, in labor. That that didn't happen. It's Bristol's child, and Tripp is really her second child. If that came out on Team Mom OG, I would, I would be set for life. I'd be so thrilled. Anyway, I just think it's weird to, like, bring in celebrities to Team Amoji, right? It's weird. This isn't the Housewives. Although once I heard Julie Klausner say like, do you guys know who Julie Klausner is? She's a comedian. I fucking love her podcast. She did the show Difficult People on Hulu. I really like her. I've been a fan of her for a very long time. And Julie Klausner said something like, she didn't like Lisa Renna coming onto Real Housewives Beverly Hills because she doesn't like celebrities coming onto the Housewives. Like, The housewives kind of exist in their own world and they're celebrities for being housewives, but they're not celebrities before they're housewives. And I am now feeling the same way about Team OG. That Bristol, like, coming in, it just doesn't make any sense. And I really don't care that the show is called OG. Like, I I don't care. I know a lot of people are like, but she's not even an OG. Like, they're not OGs. They're, like, stressed on the name. But I, like, truly and deeply do not care about that in the name of the show I mean just fucking change the name of the show if you really want to that's just not something that I'm concerned about I just don't know like how how we just start following Bristol Palin in the realm of teen mom that doesn't make a lot of sense to me oh and by the way Corey and Cheyenne I can't remember if I've talked about them on this podcast before but Corey and Cheyenne like aren't even teen parents Cheyenne has, they have one child together, they're not together, and that was, they had her, I think the baby's a year old, and Cheyenne's like 24. So yeah, she's a young mom. I mean, in my social circle, like, I probably knew one person that had a baby at 24, like, and that was 
clearly an whoopsie baby. I mean, it's great. She has a really nice life with her now. But 24 is definitely, definitely young for most of the people in my world to be having babies. But I understand it's like not a very young age for most people to be having babies. So it's just neither of these like additions make a ton of sense to me like when it comes to the show Teen Mom OG. But here's the thing. Team Momoji is so fucking boring. And if they're getting rid of Farah, I mean, I they got to do what they got to do, I guess. Also, the other big news of the Team Momoji week is that Mackenzie and Ryan apparently were fired from the show. Um, so basically, I guess Macy has refused to be on the show if Mackenzie and Ryan are on. Probably not Mackenzie particularly, but Ryan, because she told MTV, like, I am not going to watch, I'm not going to have my son's father killing himself on TV for my son to one day watch. Like, that, no, we're not doing that, and if Mackenzie and Ryan are here, like, I'm not filming. And I guess MTV freaked out, and that's when they went to Bristol Palin, which I guess makes sense, because they could not lose they couldn't just have three people. They couldn't lose Farah and Macy and only bring in one couple that, you know, who knows how they'll do. So it makes sense that they went to Bristol. And then when they agreed finally to fire Mackenzie and Ryan, that Macy would come back on. So I guess it does make sense to have five girls on OG if uh, Mackenzie and Ryan aren't filming because Macy's so fucking boring. By the way, I'm still sure Mackenzie or Macy's pregnant. I'm really sure of it. I think we'll be finding out soon enough that she's pregnant. I called this back on Mother's Day. So when that happens, I want everybody to tweet me that I was right. Because you guys know I fucking love being right. Anywho. um, So Mackenzie Ryan are not filming. Basically, MTV caved to Macy's demands. Which I get. I 100% get where Macy is coming from. In saying, like, I'm not doing this show if this is what it means for my children. I actually deeply respect that. But I'm pissed because you guys know I love the Mackenzie Ryan scene. I love the messiness of Mackenzie and Ryan. And I am like really unsure what the fuck we're going to watch with Macy if we know Mackenzie and Ryan. I'm curious to see if Jen and Larry are filming. Uh, apparently MTV, MTV even suggested that Mackenzie and Ryan would, should just like drop off the baby with Jen and Larry. And Jen and Larry will film with the baby without them once it's born which is crazy. Mackenzie also said that MTV has been paying for her health insurance because they've been filming doctor's visits or were planning to film doctor's visits. So they were going to pay for her medical expenses through pregnancy. And now they're not paying for anything, which I personally think is fucked up. I don't, I don't really care for Mackenzie. I don't really care for Ryan. I don't hate Mackenzie nearly as much as a lot of people do. But I, I've said before, like, I don't think she's the devil, but I don't think she's a good person. But if MTV said they were going to pay for her medical expenses, I think they should follow through, you know, at least, like, follow through on paying for it through the baby's birth. Now, I know you're like, but if I got fired from my job, I wouldn't have health insurance. Yeah, but you don't work for MTV as a reality TV star. I really hate when people do the thing where they're like, but if I did this at my job when they're talking about, like, teen mom people, because it's like, yeah, if we did any of the shit that they do at our jobs, we would all be fired. But we're not reality stars on television, so it's different. <laughs> I don't know. It's just something silly that bothers me. Anyway, I will miss Mackenzie and Ryan because I just think they were absolutely the most interesting part of Team OG. I am going to keep a positive, open mind when it comes to Bristol and Corey and Cheyenne. I, look, I don't, I'm locked and loaded on Teen Mom. I have a fucking podcast, guys. Like, I think if I did not have this podcast, I would totally quit watching probably both shows, if I'm being honest. And I would just keep up and read recaps online. Uh, But especially Teen Mom. I don't, oh gee, I don't think I would be interested in watching it. But because I do this podcast, it could be interesting to have some fresh blood in there. Um, I would love, like, I would love to see Todd just, like, get fall down drunk on Teen Mom. I think that would be fun. I, 
I don't know. I don't have high hopes, but I'm keeping an open mind. You know, I'm trying to be a more positive person. And we'll see how it goes. I don't even know when Team Mom OG is premiering. Team Mom 2 has been on for a while, but I, they probably got like 20 episodes a season. It went forever last season. I would guess it's July 21st as I'm recording. Yeah, I'm recording extremely late in the week. <laughs> but I would guess that OG will probably start in September. Um, maybe beginning of September or mid-September. I really hope we get a little bit of a couple week break this year. Uh, I know we, I don't think we got any break last time, but I would really love to get like two or three weeks to get some 16 and pregnant episodes. Uh, recapped, I have some good guests that I'm interested in bringing on for 16 and pregnant, uh, recaps. I've asked some people I think you guys would really like to hear that aren't teen mom fans, and I would love to be able to do more 16 Pregnant episodes with some fun podcasters and friends of mine who don't watch Teen Mom but are fucking funny and have a lot of good stuff to say. And we could watch some classic 16 and Pregnant episodes because obviously they're one-offs and we don't need the backstories. So yeah, I really hope that that will be a possibility. Um, But MTV will probably fuck me again. (laughs) Anyway, let's get on to this week's episode right after a quick break. Let's start with Janelle this week, who basically wasn't even on the show. (laughs) Oh, it's tough with David not filming that we're not getting any Janelle. I'm, I don't know. I don't know how to feel about it because I really don't want David on the show. And I want to watch Janelle, but Janelle clearly has nothing to offer about David. And having Nate be the primary focus is maddening to me. Supposedly, Janelle still hasn't signed on a contract for season nine. No one in Janelle's universe is filming. I don't know what Team Mom 2 does without Janelle. But basically, Janelle is out with Jamie, her friend, her only friend. And Janelle's supposed to go drop Jamie off. Excuse me, drop Kaiser off. But Janelle doesn't want to drop Kaiser off because she's going to have to go alone. And David doesn't let her go alone. She says it's because... David knows that Nate's going to try and push every one of her buttons, but, like, I think we all know why David doesn't let Janelle go alone. It's because he needs to control Janelle and he doesn't trust Janelle. It's, duh. It's sick, but duh. By the way, I think that is how Janelle likes relationships. I don't think Janelle wants to do it without David. I don't think it really needs any convincing from David. I think she full-on has no desire to do anything unless David is right there next to her. So she asked Jamie if Jamie will drop off Kaiser. Now, I've been seeing for some reason this week on the internet, like so much speculation that Jamie is somebody that's like hired by MTV to be her friend, which is not true. One, we have broken the fourth wall. MTV is no longer, if they ever were, I mean, I've I've thought in the past that they were, but they don't need to hire people to be the castmates' friends anymore. If she didn't have any friends, they would have Kristen sitting in the front seat with her and she'd be talking to Kristen about it. She wouldn't be talking to Jamie. Um, second of all, Jamie and Janelle have actually been friends for quite a while. I believe they met through Nathan. Maybe they didn't meet through Nathan, but they met at the time that she was with Nathan. Jamie, now that I think about it, actually may have been Janelle's and Nate's landlord at one point. Like, they might have been living in one of her rental properties. And Jamie ended up becoming Kaiser's, like, main babysitter when he was little. And Janelle and (laughs) Nate didn't spend a lot of time with Kaiser. You know, not much has changed. Same, same as it's always been. And Jamie was always the one that would watch Kaiser. He wasn't necessarily, like, she wasn't Kaiser's nanny, But she watched Kaiser a lot, would watch him like over full weekends. He would always be at Jamie's house. Jamie would always post pictures of Kaiser. So Janelle and Jamie have been friends for like four or five years at this point. I don't know why this week, especially so many people have been like, Jamie must be an MTV plant. I think it's because a lot of people have trouble with the idea that anybody could hang out with Janelle. And I understand that. And as I've already talked about on this episode, but as Saad once pointed out to me, like, If you hang out with Janelle, you're complicit in her life and that 
I and which is true, but I think Jamie is just somebody that's like always been a neutral person to Janelle. She's always been able to get along with Janelle's significant other. She was friends with Nate. Now she's friends with David. I think she's like a non-threatening presence in Janelle's life. I think she's like been one of the only constants in Janelle's life for the last four or five years, unfortunately. So Jamie is just a friend. She's not hired by MTV. She, I'm sure she gets paid by MTV because she's on the show. But she probably gets the friend rate that's like $1,500 a season or whatever. Not that I couldn't use $1,500, but you know what I'm saying. So, Jamie agrees. She said she would love to take Kaiser. Now, I also saw a lot of shit like, why can't Janelle just take her son? Am I the only person that thinks it's an awful idea for David or Janelle to ever go to these drop-off with Nate's? With Nate's? With Nate? In my opinion, like, a third party should be doing all of their drop-offs. It is so clear that neither Janelle nor David nor Nate can keep any sort of cool, as Nate calls them, their very unprofessional drop-offs, which Nate pretends like he has no part in. Um, David is a fucking lunatic raging monster. Nate is a lunatic raging monster. And Janelle is Janelle. So it's not like they're having constructive drop-offs. Personally, I think if... It's going to be Janelle and Nate doing drop-offs. They should be done at a police station. Like, there is no way that these drop-offs should just be done in these, like, empty parking lots. I think they're very unsafe situations for everyone, especially Kaiser. I think if there's a third party that can, like, facilitate a smooth transaction, uh, of course she should do it. The drop-off with Kaiser and Nate went so smoothly. Everybody was happy. Jamie was happy. Kaiser was happy. Nate was happy. I'm like, why does... Why would anybody care if Janelle doesn't go if it means it's better for Kaiser? And I saw a ton of people bitching online about it. And then Nate also bitches about it. Nate always bitches when Janelle doesn't show up for drop-offs. Now, if Janelle or whoever is taking Kaiser is late for drop-offs and pickups, that's 100% a valid thing to complain about. I would complain about that too. But I just don't understand why it matters who's doing the dropping off and picking up as long as he's going back to the house. Like, realistically, it should probably be Doris and David's mom or Doris and Jamie and, like, Nate and Janelle having nothing to do with drop-off and pickups because they're both so immature and unstable and unable to have any sort of, like, constructive and healthy interactions with each other. I think Nate wants Janelle to be there so that he can pick a fight with her every time. He constantly claims he, like, wants to talk to Janelle and wants to have calm conversations with Janelle, but I... I don't believe that to be the truth. So Kaiser's cute. He's happy to be with Nate. I don't read that much into that. I think that Kaiser loves his parents. I think Kaiser even loves David because he's four. Um, People are like, we've never seen Kaiser happy before. We've never heard him talk. Like, none of that is true. Like, we've seen Kaiser happy. We see him running around all the time on Janelle's property. He, that kid loves David. It's very sad, but he does. Um, He's just excited to see his dad. A thing that I really hate about this show and about the fandom is that, and I'm so fucking a part of this, it's insane. Like, I'm calling myself out with this, that we look at these, like, tiny moments and project all of how we feel onto the characters as the truth. And people hate David and Janelle, so they've accepted that Kaiser smiling around Nate means that he also hates David and Janelle and wants nothing to do with living at David and Janelle's house and only wants to live with Nate. And it's like, that's probably not true. Like, Kaiser is a four-year-old who loves all of his parents. And we, I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to say, except that I was glad to see Kaiser happy I just don't put that much stock into, like, Nate being, like, he never wants to leave when he's with me. Like, he's four. Like, what? I don't know. They're always, like, getting Kaiser's opinion on things. I'm like, he's a (laughs) four-year-old. Like, like when I go and see my nieces who are four, they, like, never want me to leave and they say they want to live with me. But, of course, they don't want to live with me. I'm just fun and let them listen to music like their moms don't let them their mom doesn't let them listen to and I bring them presents and their mom doesn't bring them presents because she lives with them and I'm like fun more fun to be around because I don't have to have rules and I think that is probably the case for Nate 
Now, I also think that Kaiser is being abused by David and that's unsafe for him to live there. And I do think the best place for Kaiser would be with Doris, not with Nate, with Doris. I really do think that would be the best case for him. And it's unfortunate that Nate supposedly filed a motion for contempt. This had to have been filmed a like months, like in March, right? This had to be like March or April. It's now July and nothing has happened yet. So, you know, there's that. Um, So there is this weird scene and I'm pointing this out because it one doesn't make any sense and two leads into the next scene. There's this weird moment where Kaiser wants to ride with Nate and Nate's like, no, you have to you have to ride with uh, Nana. You have to go ride with Nana. One, why don't they just all go to the drop off in the same car? I don't understand why they're in different cars. And two, people were speculating that Nate isn't allowed to drive with Kaiser because of his DUIs, but I don't think that's the case. That was not the case when they had their original custody order, and um, they he hasn't gotten a DUI since the original custody order, so I don't think that would have been affected in, like, the change that they had when supervised visitation was granted. It's just because they're in two separate cars, and he's not allowed to be alone with Kaiser. So, if that's the case, riddle me why Ashley and Nate took Kaiser out to lunch alone and mini-golfing alone. I There is no way Doris was there. We see them walk in by themselves, sit by themselves, spend mini-golf by themselves. So, either Doris is sitting in the car, which is, in my opinion, still not supervising. She's supposed to be there anytime that Kaiser is with Nate. Like, any time. She's not supposed to be sitting in a car. Some people online were suggesting she was sitting at a different table, which doesn't make any fucking sense. Like, that that's not what happened. And that is upsetting to me to see that Doris is letting uh, Kaiser go with Nate unattended. And it's very troubling to me that he would make this big stink in front of Jamie that Kaiser isn't allowed to ride with him because he doesn't want to give Janelle any ammo and Doris doesn't want to give Janelle any ammo. And then as soon as Jamie is out of the picture, like, they're going with Kaiser unsupervised. I know they think that Ashley counts as supervision, but not according to the courts. Uh, Watching Nate and Ashley interact, like, it makes my skin crawl. And also what really makes my skin crawl is every time Nate talks about his ex and his son, if you'll notice, like, Nate very, very rarely will refer to anybody by their names. And it, I don't know, it's just, like, bone chilling to me for some reason. So, Nate says that he has filed paperwork for a motion of contempt against my ex. It's like, just say Janelle. We know who the fuck you're talking about. Um, And that the best case scenario would be that he gets Kaiser full time. Apparently, all of his charges have been dropped. Some people have asked me why the charges were dropped. In my experience working with victims... Charges get dropped in domestic violence cases because the victim no longer wants to proceed because they've moved. It's been over a year of time. They've moved on with their life. It's just traumatizing. It's easier just not to go to court. I 100% believe what Jessica said in the Being Nate special. I will always believe that unless Jessica comes out and says she completely made it up. I believe what she said and I believe Nate's an abuser. So, my guess for why his charges were dropped is that Jessica just didn't want to go through with court anymore. And really, who can blame her if it would have been, like, almost a year and a half after, like, the altercations happened and, like, they still hadn't settled it and they still hadn't gone through with it. So it happens, unfortunately. Uh, unfortunately for victims, it just takes so long and they just don't want to do it anymore. I've seen it happen a lot when I was working as a victim's advocate. So my question is, is Nate applying for to get full-time custody as somebody that's living in South Carolina with his mom? Or is he doing this as somebody that's living in Florida? Is a judge going to take Kaiser away from his mom and send him to Florida to live full-time with a dad that he has not lived with ever? Well, I guess Kaiser was probably, what, six or seven months when they broke up? Like, I... I don't know. I don't really know anything about custody, so you can tweet at me at bent, B-E-N-T underscore L-E-Y if you know about custody and you think that it's likely that a, like, 
a parent would go from supervised visits to full-time custody out of state. I don't know. I just don't really understand why Nate isn't moving, like, to South Carolina so he can be close to his daughter, first of all, and close to his son and getting an apart. Like, his girlfriend owns a house in Florida. She has a job in Florida. I, I do understand that. But if they are serious about being together and, like, serious about being a, like, parental unit to Kaiser and they really feel like they will be the best thing for Kaiser, wouldn't it make sense to sell the house for her to get a job in North Carolina or South Carolina, for them to get a place up there, both get jobs up there, and be working, be near Nate's mom, who the court knows, knows Kaiser very well and has been partially responsible for raising him, wouldn't it make more sense and look better for the court if they were doing that and if they were making the effort and not just driving from Florida to North Carolina every once in a while to see him? I don't know. I don't know. So they go mini golfing and Nate gets a, happens to get a call from Barbara. <laughs> they still do these setup calls where we like pretend like this is just supposed, we just happen to know this is going on. And... Barbara calls Nate to tell him that Jace said that Kaiser had told David that he had to go to the bathroom. David told him he didn't. So when he went to change his pull up, Kaiser peed on him and David flipped out and uh, spanked him really hard. Oh, it's so upsetting. It's real. I mean, that breaks my heart. David is terrifying and child abuse as a storyline is really fucking tough. It's really tough as an audience. Um, I just, I worry about Kaiser being with Nate. I don't think it's a good alternative. I think that Doris should be the one that gets custody, but clearly he should not be with David. Clearly Janelle is not stepping in to protect Kaiser. I don't think she really cares if her children are being abused because I just don't think she has the capacity to care. I think she can understand she's supposed to care, but I think that her... Feeling loved by David comes above everything, unfortunately. Nate says, I did notice his affect is, like, extremely flat. He's like, Barbara, you don't even know how upset I get about this. Wouldn't you think, like, a normal human would be like, I'm calling the police? Like, David is not a parent, you know? Like, I just, I don't understand why they're not calling the police every single time they're getting reports of David hitting Kaiser. Why they're not calling CPS Every time they're getting reports of, like, too much punishment, Nate just says stuff like, Barbara, you don't even know how upset this gets me. Like, show us how upset upset it gets you. Don't just tell us. Show us with your actions. But he's not doing that. Uh, Nate tells Ashley what's happening and Ashley starts crying, which, you know, guys, I'm not a fan of Ashley. I find her to be a very sad person that she'd be getting involved with Nathan. But I did find that moment genuine. I think I can't imagine what I would do in that situation. I think she is genuinely worried for Kaiser. I think I would probably cry too if I heard that a kid that I cared about was being beat by his stepfather. This is so fucking dark. So Nate and Barbara meet up and Kaiser lets her know that every time uh, Kaiser's with him, he says that he doesn't want to go home because there's no yelling and screaming I find it hard to believe that Nate doesn't yell and scream at Kaiser ever, but okay. Um, I did feel that Nate was drunk in this scene. If you guys want to go back and rewatch and look for the signs, his face is extremely red and not like in a sunburn way. His cheeks are like very, very, very rosy and he's slurring and you can see him like trying to get the words out and struggling. And in contrast, like I'm pretty sure he was not drunk in the scene where he went to lunch and was mini golfing and he was speaking clearly to Ashley and he was like clearly expressing himself and being nice and thoughtful. And when he's with Barbara, like, I don't know, I can just tell when an alcoholic is drinking and trying really hard to appear like they're not. And that to me is him doing that. So Barbara feels desperate and wants to do something for Kaiser, which I, I do believe to be true. Although I'm wondering why Barbara isn't doing more for Jace. She's saying that Jace is telling her, like, that he's scared to go over there, that they yell, he's acting out. So Barbara and Janelle right now just, like, have a court-ordered mediation. They did not go in front. I mean, obviously, the judge agreed to their uh, 
custody decision, but this was hashed out in mediation. I find it pretty hard to believe if abuse is going on in the home and Jace is telling Barbara regularly that abuse is going on in the home to other children, that they cannot go back to court and go in front of a judge and get supervised visits with Janelle. Um, I don't see why Barbara can't be requesting drug tests. I don't see why she can't be requesting different tests. Uh, next week, is we're going to see the road rage incident where Janelle supposedly pulled a gun uh, with Jace in the front seat with her. I don't get why, if Jace is so disturbed by what's going on at the house, why Barbara's not doing anything. And my personal opinion on why she's not doing anything is because she's still in her heart wants everything to be okay with Janelle. And she, throughout Jace's life, has made a lot of sacrifices, like, on Jace's behalf in the name of, like, pleasing Janelle and, like, this hope that Janelle is eventually, like, going to come to her and be the daughter that she wants to be. And I just, you know, have, I don't see it ever happening. And I think it's a real shame that Barbara is not doing more to protect Jace. If, if this is true, if David is so abusive, Barbara needs to be in court petitioning for supervised visitation. She needs to be going to trial. Barbara can afford it, too. She's getting a nice teen mom salary. This isn't Doris, who has very little money, which, by the way, I don't know why Nate, who gets a decent amount of money from teen mom, wouldn't be funding Doris's court bills, but I have a feeling that's not happening. But anyway, uh, Barbara has the resources, and I just don't really get why she is not working harder to keep Jace away from them. She has nothing but awful things to say. She wholeheartedly believes that there's rampant abuse going on in the house. She's worried one of the kids are going to get shot by a gun. But Janelle still has unsupervised visitations with Jace on the regular. And that confuses me. I really wish Barbara would do more to protect Jace. You know, it's not fair to Jace that he doesn't have adults in his life that are protecting him. And it's not fair to Jace that he has to go over there if he's watching his stepdad abuse his little brother. Uh, Nate says, oh, Barbara also says that Jace curses when he comes back. And I want to be like, so he doesn't hear you curse, Barbara. <laughs> but okay, so Nate says like he, what he really wants is more visitation and no supervision, which Look, the reality is if Nate's charges were dropped, like, he's probably going to get unsupervised visits and he probably should have unsupervised visits. That's just the truth. If he doesn't have pending charges, then yeah, he should have unsupervised visits. He is Kaiser's dad. But how is he going to have more visitation if he lives in Florida? What does he want? He wants Kaiser to, like, come spend weeks at a time with him. I wonder what more supervision looks like or more custody and more visitation looks like to him when he lives a 10-hour drive away. And we know he doesn't fly. They always drive. They always do that drive. He also requested that David David and Janelle pass psychological and drug tests, uh, which, I mean, okay, that's a good idea. They should. I wonder if Nate would take a psychological test and what that would say. But Look, I I don't disagree with any of that. I think Kaiser needs to be saved from David and Janelle. So Barbara says that they, oh, Nate also says that, like, his reasons for the contempt are that they're late to drop offs and pickups. They use vulgarity, which is, I think, is against their custody order, and that their drop offs are unprofessional. Who taught Nate the word unprofessional? <laughs> I'd like you to speak up. <laughs> and... Um, Nate, Nate is told by Barbara that Barbara, like, writes down on a calendar every time Janelle misses a visitation or doesn't call, et cetera, et cetera. And Nate's like, whoa, that's smart. And I'm like, who the fuck is Nate's lawyer that Nate's lawyer didn't tell him to do that ages ago? I, like, if he's filing contempt charges, why would he not be keeping track of stuff? That's like family law 101. That is the most basic thing that a family law attorney can tell their client in a custody situation. And I can't believe that Nate was not told that. Uh, Nate makes a comment about how, you know, when she was with me, she was all into fitness and now she's with David. So he's in, she's into country. And I just want to say um, Nate was okay with Janelle being easily moldable and abusable. Is abusable a word? I think so. Nate was easy. Nate was okay with her being easily molded and easy to abuse when he was the one molding and abusing Janelle. I just want everybody to remember that. 
Um, I don't know. It was a good conversation. Like, it was great that Barbara and Nate can get along. But I just question Nate's motives. And I just find it so hard to believe he's, like, pure-hearted and wants to actually raise his son. I think he wants Ashley to raise his son. You know, I think he has, like, this idea and him and Ashley, like, sit around and fantasize about, like, how perfect their family will be when they can raise Kaiser together. I don't think Nate has a strong desire to raise Kaiser on his own. And I think if Nate didn't have a girlfriend, he probably wouldn't be doing any of this. But I don't know. If Nate's not going to abuse Kaiser, then maybe Nate, maybe Kaiser needs to be with Nate. I don't know. Kaiser needs to go with Doris. That's what I know. That's what I know, guys. So, yeah, super dark. Next week is apparently going to be darker with Janelle. We shall see. Okay, so let's go on to Chelsea, who had... I mean, do I need to say this every week that Chelsea had a boring segment? Hey, guys, Chelsea had a boring segment. Can you believe it? So her pregnancy is going well. They're in the second trimester, and they're just keeping it to themselves. They're, the interesting thing about this week is that we got to see Paisley and Taylor. Paisley, as you should know, is Adam's daughter with his ex-girlfriend, Taylor. Taylor and Chelsea get along now. Um, they're not like best friends, but they get along. They did not get along for a long time because Chelsea was jealous of Taylor and Chelsea fucked Adam while Taylor was pregnant and they were together. So they've had a rough past, but they're clearly trying to make things work uh, for the girls. It's unfortunate the girls have not seen each other in like five months. And I do want to be impeccable with my words here, even though I know I probably won't. This is Adam's fault that his daughters do not see one another. And I completely understand that and I completely acknowledge that. It is Adam's fault. Adam is the one that's responsible for his daughters not seeing one another. But I do think that Chelsea and Aubrey, Chelsea and Aubrey, Chelsea and Taylor need to make a concentrated effort to get the girls together more. Is that fair? No. But I mean, isn't like almost everything you do as a parent not fair? It doesn't, to me, it's, like, not about being fair. I've seen a lot of people, like, well, it's not, that's not fair. Like, it's on Adam. It's Adam's responsibility. But the reality is Adam is not doing it. And there are two little girls who love each other who are sisters that don't get to have an active role in each other's lives because they're shitty fathers. Doesn't it make sense that their moms would step up and one Sunday a month get them together? You know, like, have one sleepover a month? Uh, I just, I hope that that will be their goal and that the girls will get together much off more often. I understand it's not easy, but being, from what I hear, being a parent isn't easy. And it's not easy to do a lot of stuff. And it's not, it's not about who's right or who's wrong. It's about the fact that Aubrey and Paisley love one another and they should be given the opportunity to develop a relationship and to be sisters, even if their dad is a real shithead. And they shouldn't, I mean, they're going to have to face so many consequences emotionally for having a shithead dad, you know? Like, there are so many things that is going to suck for them because Adam is their dad. And shouldn't their moms, like, take one thing that they have control over because they don't have control over how having an absentee dad will make their daughters feel. They don't have control over if Adam is going to get better, if Adam's going to show up, if the lens are going to be nice, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. They don't have control over like 99% of this situation. One thing they do have control over and they have the ability to do is to make sure that these little girls get to be sisters. And it was really nice to see these scenes, but I was really disheartened to hear that they had not seen each other in five months. And, like, Chelsea's not that busy. I'm sorry, not sorry on that. I understand she has a little kid and there's another on the way. But, like, come on. Don't tell me that Chelsea is too busy to get her kid together with her fucking sister once a month. She's just not. (sighs) So they go bowling Aubrey's, like, teaching Paisley how to bowl. Like, Aubrey loves Paisley. It's so cute. I just want them to be able to be together. So Chelsea's like, well, it's a long time, but it's better than nothing. And it's like, why are... I guess I feel like Chelsea feels like they either make minimal effort or they don't see each other at all. And I feel like there's an in-between. Like, they can make a 
semi-effort. And see, I'm not saying like Chelsea needs to plan her life around Taylor and Paisley and that Paisley needs to be included in everything they do and that they need to have like family pictures of all of them and it needs to be this perfect blended family. That's not how I feel at all. I completely understand that Chelsea has her own family and Taylor has her own family. Taylor's married and I think might even be pregnant right now or had another baby. Uh, I can't remember. But Taylor is married. Like she has her own life. Taylor has to actually work. Like, <laughs> I get that they have their own lives, and I'm not asking that they, like, intertwine their entire lives, but I do think it's possible that they can have, like, a close relationship with one another. You know, as silly as it sounds, like, I saw <laughs> I saw this 2020 or maybe Today Show special where uh, these two little girls are adopted, I believe, from China or maybe South Korea, and they were twins, and somehow they found out, I think they're like 12 or 13, and they're adopted into different families, they both live in America, and now they know each other, and they're very close, and they love each other, and they're sisters, and they live in different states, and they have different parents, and they don't get to see each other all the time, but like their parents make a concentrated effort for them to get together, and it's not easy, and it costs money, and it's difficult, but they do it because it's best for the girls. And I just want, I'm really repeating myself now, but I just want to see that with uh, Chelsea. What I did think was very, very interesting is that they were talking about visitation and in Taylor's visitation, because remember Adam, okay, so just a quick recap is that after Adam broke the arm, I believe, of one of his ex-girlfriends, Taylor went to court and basically got supervised visits, but... Adam had to pass a drug test within 24 hours of any time Paisley was going to go there. So he failed a drug test. Taylor went back to court and all visitation has to be done through a visitation center, including the Lynn's. Like it all, everybody has to be seen in the visitation center. And Taylor said something about, well, I talked to Paisley's therapist and she thinks it's like best if we stick to the the custody schedule. And I told the Lynn's. The Lynn's that, I don't think she said the Lynn. She just said them. Adam's parents is what they always call them. Talked to Adam. I told Adam's parents that. And I was like, oh, damn, Taylor is Paisley in therapy. Now, if you'll remember, Chelsea's been like, maybe I should go to therapy with Ta- Ch- Aubrey. I, I'm flipping out over names. Maybe she should go to therapy. Eh, no, I don't think so, to Dr. Drew. Um, <laughs> Chelsea does not seem interested at all in putting Aubrey in therapy. And you know what? Maybe Aubrey doesn't need it. But I did think that I really commended Taylor for, I don't know, I really like Taylor. <laughs> I I know we barely see her, so it's easy for me to be like, I like Taylor. And trust me, I know if she, like, was on the show anymore, I'd be like, fuck Taylor. I hate her. Like, I do with literally everybody else on this show. I am aware of that. But I did really appreciate her saying, like, Paisley's therapist and I came up with this. I thought that was great. I think it's very clear that she's looking out for Paisley. And I mean, I love therapy and I love people going to therapy. So they talk about Adam's parents and how uh, Adam's parents like had kind of harassed Taylor about the visitation center and Taylor stuck to her boundaries. And I really hate that I defended the Lynn's so much at the beginning of the season. If you guys don't remember, I like went really hard for the Lynn's. And now I have to completely eat my words because apparently they're doing the same exact thing with Taylor that they did with Chelsea. Uh, So we get a little moment that Paisley asks Cole if, Paisley asks Aubrey if Cole's her dad. And Chelsea thinks that's the funny, she thinks it's so funny and cute. And you know, Chelsea like inside was like so thrilled that anybody thought Cole was Aubrey's dad because that's all she wants in the world for Adam to be erased. Uh, Taylor's like, oh, that's cute. Like, I don't know. Taylor seemed, she didn't seem like as into it as Chelsea was. Chelsea was like, oh my God, (laughs) that's so funny. I'm sorry, that's fucking depressing. That is the opposite of funny to me. There is nothing funny about that. That's sad as fuck. I don't understand how Chelsea doesn't see that. How Chelsea can think it's funny that her daughter's sister, who she shares a dad with, doesn't even realize that they have the same dad because they don't ever get to see him. That is so sad. That moment to me was so sad. Am I glad Cole, Aubrey is Cole? Yes. As I've said a million times, I think 
Cole is a good husband and a good father and an amazing stepfather to Aubrey, and she's very lucky to have him. But if if I was in that situation and my daughter's sister said, is that your dad? I think my heart would sh- fucking shatter. It would shatter. Like, these girls, they're sisters. They share a dad. And they, like, don't even know that because Adam is such a shithead. I don't know. Chelsea just, she got a, Chelsea got a little high on that one, I think. But when I'm watching, I'm like, God, that's depressing. That's not funny. That's depressing. Oh, Chelsea. Soon we'll get to see her announce her pregnancy. <laughs> I truly don't care about this baby that she's having. <laughs> Although I do want to know what the name is. I think it's going to be Bo. And yes, I know Bo's a boy's name, but I think she's going to name the baby Bo. So let's go on to Brie. Let's, first of all, we need to discuss the Airbnb. I'm assuming it's an Airbnb that she and Shirley are staying in because it's upsetting. Upsetting is a good word for it. I'm deeply unsoothed and unsettled by that Airbnb they're staying in Miami. Um, I, it looked unclean. It's just like two twin hospital beds, basically, which I mean, I guess they need, but it's like two shitty twin beds in a room. Like, they couldn't even get a hotel. I mean, I guess I understand wanting to have an Airbnb so you could have like a kitchen, but like there was, it was dark. It was dark. That Airbnb was, it was not okay for me. (laughs) It was not okay. So it starts with Javi doing his thing. I came all the way here and you can't give me a hug. And Brie being super pissed. We find out that Shirley is out of her surgery. And that it's just so awkward that Javi is there. Apparently he texted her from the airport. And here's what I'm so confused about. So they broke up. Javi went on the podcast. Brie was like, go fuck yourself. Invited Dre to come. Dre is coming? Not coming? I'm... Still unclear on the Dre situation. Javi kept his plane ticket, bought a plane ticket, texted Brie that he was at the airport and she agreed for him to come because she's making it seem like in one scene like that she has no idea why Javi's there. She didn't tell him to come. And then in the other scene, she's like, well, I told him to come, but like I didn't want to fight. So I don't know. I'm a little confused about what Javi and Brie are texting about. I would like to see some text between the two of them to get some context for this. So Brie's like, well, I don't get why he's here. And it's like, so, but I mean, I would assume he told you why he was there in the text and you told him to come. Because, you know, like if Brie didn't want him there, like she would have said, absolutely do not come. And she wouldn't have even let him in the Airbnb or in like the doctor's office or wherever the fuck he was. Like, she, he wouldn't have been there. Like, Brie, Brie has control over this. So, that's where I'm a little confused. Apparently, Javi got there and was, like, surprised MTV was filming. Even though, like, clearly they were going to film. She's like, I don't understand why he's acting surprised. And that I'm clear on. It's that Javi just wants to be an asshole about something. So, apparently, like, after an hour of Shirley waking up, they go back to the Airbnb. (laughs) All of this seems... All of this seems like, uh, is that how it works? You get like massive surgery and then you just leave and you go to a shitty Airbnb and like your friend and her ex-boyfriend take care of you? Is that what it's like to get major plastic surgery? Although I'm still unclear exactly on what Shirley got. Oh, God. So, although I did laugh when they were wheeling Shirley out, she goes, I feel high as fuck. (laughs) We get a cute little scene of Devon taking Nova to the park. And then we're back in Miami. And Javi just is, like, awkwardly sitting there. And he asks Brie, like, well, what are we doing? And Brie's like, if you want to fight, like, you shouldn't have come here. And I'm like, but didn't you know you were going to fight? I Guys, I just feel unclear on how this whole thing transpired. So Javi says he hates fighting. Bree's like, well, if you hate fighting, why'd you go on the podcast? And it's so clear that the podcast is like the major issue in whatever is going on between them. And I don't blame Bree for that. Like they had a breakup, but really only like half a breakup. Javi then hits Kale up 
so we can go on our podcast and talk about Brie. And Javi's like, well, I only said, like, nice things. And Brie's like, it's not about what you said. It's where you said it, which I 100% agree with. That was, like, huge internet drama when that happened. Like, the fandom lit up when that happened, when he went on there. Um, people were, like, being very speculative about their breakup. And then Javi going on there and talking about her with Kale, who has been, like, a major issue through their whole relationship and then Javi's like, well, why are you mad? If I was Brie, like, that would, we would have never talked again after that podcast. Like, that would have made it so clear to me what Javi's intentions were, like, who Javi was. Those are his true colors. I'm actually pretty surprised that Brie talked to him again after that podcast. Um, like, really surprised that Brie would talk to him again after that podcast. So, Brie... Oh, Javi's like, so if you can get mad at me about the podcast, why can't I get mad at you about the ex-boyfriend coming to help you? And Bree's like, hey, dum-dum, the only reason I asked him is because you went on that fucking podcast. <laughs> Which, true. He Javi's so, like, infuriating. He's so infuriating. Javi is such a gaslighter. He wants... He does all of this shit and then, like, tries to make you feel crazy for it. Like, he literally, the minute, the second he and Brie, he breaks up with Brie, not even he and Brie break up, like, he breaks up with her, he calls Kale, asks to go on her podcast to talk about Brie, and then goes, I don't understand why you're mad at me. I didn't do anything. I was nice about you. Like, she has no reason to be mad about it. God, that, I... Javi's a psycho. I cannot deal with him at all. So Javi then drops this bomb, which is, I have someone saying they will move to Dover. And Brie was like, uh, go fuck yourself. I'm fucking done. And goes into the room and talks to Shirley. And Shirley's like, wait, what? Who? Where? Because we're in this time span, remember, it's been like two weeks. Like, it has not been any sort of significant amount of time between them breaking up and the surgeries. Maybe even less than two weeks. It might have been one week. It's a very short amount of time. Now, who's the girl from Dover? Some of you may be asking if you do not follow Teen Mom on the internet. Why, yes, it is or the girl not from Dover, moving to Dover. I mean, I think it's pretty safe to assume that it is Lauren, his new baby mom, who is currently four months pregnant or five months pregnant. I think she's due in December. I don't know if they've set her actual due date, but they just did the gender reveal. She literally moved to Dover this week. <laughs> she got to Dover on like Friday and this episode was on Monday. I would want to kill myself. So if she... This is February when this is happening, and Lauren is due, let's say, end of December. Let's just all sit on that. <laughs> let's just all really marinate in that situation. So if... That means he got Lauren pregnant, like, a minute after this? It had to... And if it's not Lauren, it's actually even more psychotic. <laughs> If he's talking about it, he had another girl willing to move to Dover. Like, there are even bigger problems. Like, shit is fucked. <laughs> shit is fucked up. I mean, who knows? Who knows? Who knows how many fucking girls Javi has just, like, waiting for him in the wings? And you know what? I bet he has a lot. He has a job. He has a cute kid. He has some fame. I don't think Javi's ugly. I mean, I think he's a psycho, but I don't think he's ugly. Um... He has a car. Like, he's got more than a lot of guys have. I bet he always has, like, four or five girls that he's, like, rotating in and out, falling in love with immediately. So, Javi is just, like, Brianna's in the room talking to Shirley, and Javi's just sitting on the couch with that dumb-ass smile on his face. And, guys, there are a few things in this world that I hate more than that fucking Cheshire cat smile that Javi does. I know I've talked about it on here before. It, like, eats at my soul in a way that I can't fully explain. So, Shirley calls Javi in to talk, and Javi's like, oh, are you going to be the mediator? And, guys, remember, Shirley's been out of surgery for two hours at this point. <laughs> she is she's in her sick bed. Bree is, like, sitting on her bed. Javi's sitting on the other bed. 
I mean, you can't write that. And Shirley is mediating the fight about a girl that he wants to move to Dover. So Shirley basically says, like, it's a really cheap shot. Like, you have a plan B. That's fucked up. And Javi's like, no, 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 no. You don't understand. Like, I don't have a plan B. Like, there is a girl, but I'm not willing and I don't want to settle with her because I want you. I could have her move to Delaware, but I want you instead. If I was Lauren, I would be back in my car, driving back to South Carolina, where I came from, and telling Javi to go fuck himself so hard, delete my fucking number, you'll never see this baby. I mean, I know you can't really do that. But, oh my god. I would be so beyond pissed. Javi gave some Radar Online interview this week that said that he wasn't gonna, that Lauren wasn't gonna film but that's what they all say. I, ah, God, I would be so fucking mad. I would be so mad if I was Lauren talking about a girl I could have settled for her. (sighs) Also, like, Javi has to be lying, right? I mean, maybe he's not because Lauren's pregnant with his kid right now, but like, Lauren, what the fuck are you doing? Why the, why were you willing to move to Delaware for Javi like back in February? What's wrong with you, girl? What is wrong with you? So, he says that, like, he just wants to make sure that he and Brie have the same goal, which is, like, moving together and living together. And obviously they do not, Javi. Like, come on, this isn't new. So, Shirley says that Brie feels betrayed. And Brie's like, well, why am I going to say sorry about asking Dre to come if you have some fucking girl that's going to move to Delaware? Which, like, you know, point for Brie. Uh, Bree's like, you don't say that you want to marry me, and then you have some bitch ready to come to Dover. That's how you get punched in the mouth, which, yikes. I mean, would any of us be surprised if Bree physically fought with boyfriends? Actually, maybe I would. Bree just talks shit. I don't know if she actually does anything. I just, I wrote in my notes, I can't believe this is all happening in front of Shirley. <laughs> Javi says that he gets bored of women, women really quickly, like, after two weeks, he's done and bored with them, and he never felt that way with Bree. And, like, it's a dark statement. <laughs> it's dark that that's how Javi feels, that he just, like, is done with women after two weeks. And Javi's like, okay, well, here's what we need to do. You need to get your surgery. I'm going to stay, and then we're going to, like, move on from all this stuff that happened Why? while we broke up. And Bree's like, okay. And I'm like, what? How did we, what, how did we get here? <laughs> I'm so lost in this combo. I'm like, wait, we're we're okay now? We're going to move past this? And Javi's like, give me a hug. And Bree's like, nah. Javi always asking for a hug is like so skeevy. Javi's so skeevy. I just don't, I don't understand why Bree didn't kick him out of that shitty Airbnb like the minute that he suggested that another girl was going to move to Delaware for him. Oh, I can't wait to watch Bree's post-surgery next week. Hey guys, to hear the rest of this week's episode, come on over to patreon.com slash ebpsychos. Thank you all so much. Have a great week. Bye. This has been an episode of Feathers in My Hair, an Emotionally Broken Psychos Patreon exclusive. Executive producers Molly McAleer and Liz Bentley. Produced by Nicole Matthews. Special thanks to Sarah DiGiovanna for our logo. Head on over to our Patreon page for more rewards. www.patreon.com slash ebpsychos and come on over to our Facebook page for more discussion.